Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Good morning, Shofar family. What a privilege to be here in the Western Cape as we just enjoying this time together. You know, <clears throat> I think for a lot of people, especially with uh, COVID and all this stuff, you know, there's been a lot of stuff that's been coming out in people's lives. You know, uh, the first couple of weeks, everyone was focused, everyone was going on strong. And then uh, some of the stuff started to be highlighted. And I think that one of the reasons for that is because our lives are too busy and when we uh, fill our lives with so many distractions, such busyness, what begins to happen is we don't allow God to actually give us and focus on some of the stuff that he wants to deal with. And so uh, I've seen a lot of people, they either harden their hearts, get offended, or they've uh, yielded to what God wants to do in their lives. And that's what I'm going to talk about today and want to encourage us because it's so easy to get offended. It's so easy to get bitter and <clears throat> not allow God to work in us because He wants to work in you to work through you. You know, He wants to establish something in you so that your life can become a blessing to other people. And so I'm going to talk about broken surrender, broken surrender to yield to God. You know, it, it is so difficult to surrender because we are all control freaks. We all want to sort of determine the outcomes. And I think, especially for the church in the West, there are so many challenges. We are faced with what is left, what, what, what have we got when we come to Christ? You know, the word surrender means to give one wholly to another, to absolutely abandon, to trust and sub submit completely. And uh, David after he sinned with Bathsheba and he got caught out and he repented. Listen to what he says in Psalm 57 verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These are God you will not despise. A broken and a contrite heart. You know, um, we're not talking about sin. We're talking about brokenness. We're talking about yielded, uh, yielding our weaknesses to God. Um, and it is so difficult because... You know, we live in a generation that wants to show everyone on the outside how great, you know, our lives are. You know, we Instagram, we Facebook, we do a lot of stuff to tell people, look here how fantastic my life is. But we never show the world what's in our hearts. And so God is interested in that brokenness and that weakness. And if we don't yield it to him in this time, what begins to happen is we begin to harden our hearts. We begin to get bitter and negative and we've seen... Over the past couple of weeks, just what's happening, you know, with the, the farm killings and a lot of people that's really, really desperate. You know, people can become so bitter so quickly. And so <clears throat> there's this story in Second um, Corinthians 12 uh, when Paul comes to plead with God. And he three times he pleads with God to take away the thorn in his flesh. And uh, we don't know exactly what that thorn was. Maybe uh, it was blindness. There's a lot of rumors of what it could have been but Paul writes this in 2nd Corinthians 12 verse 9 and he said to me my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness therefore most gladly I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me 
Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses. For Christ's sake, for when I'm weak, then I am strong. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. The world says it completely different. The world says be strong, show, show everyone on the outside. But Paul goes so far that uh, he didn't get an answer from God. God didn't take it away. Then he says, not just have I made peace with my circumstances. More than that, I've come to take pleasure, find joy in knowing God, in my infirmities, in my distresses, in my tough times, through Corona. You know, it is so important that in your brokenness that you never lose the joy of your salvation. It is so easy to do that because, hey, we are human. And that means we focus on the immediate sometimes. Sometimes we cannot focus on, you know, what's going to happen in the next generation. But God is a God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. So even when he works in you, always remember this. When he does something in your heart, he's always got at least three generations in mind. You know, I uh, have the privilege to preach today and to be in the ministry because my great-grandfather followed God fully. It skipped two generations. But you know what? I got his names. You see us so far, you know, Joshua meanings. The Lord is my salvation, the fire of God, the servant of God, you know. And so when I started to study, suddenly I realized like, wow, even the French Huguenots that came here to Franschhoek and all these places, it is so amazing. They came to preserve the gospel. They came to fight for the gospel. So I realized like, wow, those people never realized that sometimes in the generations after that, there's going to be people that's going to stand up and say, hey, Lord, here I am. Pick me. Yeah. And so we have the lineage of Christ. We have the lineage of Jesus. If you didn't have a natural lineage, it doesn't matter because, hey. We are born and therefore Christ's seed and, and we've, 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 our great grandfather, you know, is Abraham, the man of faith. But you know, many of these men of faith, they never saw, that's what Hebrews 12 says. They never saw even physically the manifestation of the promise of God. But the Bible says they saw it spiritually, they embraced it and they took ownership of it. And it's so important for our nation and for your life in this stage that when you bring your brokenness, like Paul says, hey, I'm going to take pleasure in these tough times. Why? Because I have an eternal focus. And let's not lose our eternal focus. It's so easy as Christians. But you know, the first Christians greeted each other and said, Maranatha, Lord Jesus, come today. So to have that eternal focus is so important. I think a lot of us, you know, have read the story of the virgins, you know, the foolish and the wise virgins. Some of them, their lamps were full. And if your lamp is full, you're ready. Both of them, both Christians waited. Both of these groups waited for the bridegroom to come. But only one part had their lamps full. And it's so important in this time that we do not lose that urgency. We do not lose that passion. You know, we're standing here in a wheat field. And I remember the first time the cameraman and I, Johan, came here. This wheat was like this high. Now we can barely almost walk in it. But it's so amazing. Why? Because it's harvest time and it's so important that we realize to have an eternal focus, we need to step into that joy of our salvation. But we also need to trust God for the salvation for others around us because many other people are desperate. They don't have the peace. They don't have the joy that you and I have. But you know, the world is not looking for PR people for Jesus. They're not looking for how much we know, how big our theology is. What great stuff we've done for God. They want to know, you know, is your relationship 
with Jesus real and is it authentic? And that means you and I are going to need to show people our brokenness. And we're going to need to walk in the light and be more accountable around these things. You know, so Paul was aware of his weakness. He was aware of his brokenness. And that's why the Bible says with David, you know, after he sinned and when there's sin in our lives, we repent. The Bible says a broken and a contrite heart, God will not despise. You know, brokenness is beautiful in the eyes of God. When you and I realize our complete dependency on God, you know, uh, there's a picture that I want to show you or sort of draw. And maybe this picture will be on the slides. But there where um, there's a little uh, village at the sea called um, Kleinmont. It's close to Hermanus. There where Pastor Andres and them are ministering. But there in the field, in the wetlands, there's a group of horses. And these horses run around wild for years. There's, there's, there's been so many speculation of where these horses come from. There's about 30 or 40 of them. Some say they swam out from a ship that was about to sink. There's, you can Google it. There's, there's so many, so much speculation. Beautiful pictures of these wild horses running around, beautiful, untamed. They, they're just going for it. They, they've survived decades. And so there's studies and people are taking the photographs, but you can't get close to those horses. You know, they're beautiful for taking, for taking pictures. They're beautiful for writing stories and writing theories about them. But you can't come close to them. Why? Because they're wild. And one thing I've really realized, this may shock you, they're also useless. They're useless for the community. They're useless to be used. You know, because what's the purpose of horses? Not just to look nice, but actually to work, to serve, yeah, to do the will of the master. And so the difference between a wild horse and a horse that has the owner is they have been broken in. And that is the challenge. You know, at the heart of a broken spirit is somebody who has a surrendered will. You know, I come from a farm where we used to break in these horses. And it is a process. You don't just get onto a small horse, you know, that's never been ridden. You need to break it in. You need to sort of teach it what does it mean to be obedient to the master. And we think that, you know, when people come to Christ, they are just going to, like, be obedient. No. The same with your children. We need to teach and learn. And you know what Jesus learned, how he learned? He learned obedience through the great sermons he listened to. No, 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 no. He learned obedience through going to church every Sunday, reading his Bible. Nah. Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered. See, so the outflow of brokenness and true humility is true obedience to God. Why? Because you have in the process of your brokenness, it's not like, hey, I'm a worm and we sing worm songs every day and we go wild because, hey, we feel so bad and I must just be a humble Christian. No. My greatest part of worship is to worship and be obedient to God. Jesus said, if you love me, do as I say. And so my question is a very simple question is, what has God called you to be obedient to? Maybe it's to serve your neighbor. Maybe it's to pray for that family member. Maybe it's something small. Maybe it's not huge. But hey, you know, I remember when Stephen Lungu telling the story of how he was in Johannesburg and uh, this pastor invited him to come and preach. Saturday evening, big auditorium, band, everything there. Only one person came. His wife was there. 
The pastor's wife was there. The band was there. The band was the whole crowd. But only one person pitched. And so the pastor said to him, look here, Uncle Stephen, uh, let, let's go to the restaurant. Let's leave it. Uncle Stephen said, no. Because God told me, God gave me a word, and I'm going to preach it. And so he preached that word. <laughs> and the amazing thing is he made an altar call. And one guy responded. <laughs> he actually joked. He said, I've never had a 100% response. <laughs> but that night there was a 100% response. Everyone that came, came forward. <laughs> you know, Because that one guy came to salvation. But that's not the end of the story. Many years later, he was at a conference, I think in Zambia or Zimbabwe. I'm not sure exactly where. And then a guy walked up to him and said, Mr. Lungu, I was that one man that responded. And I've become a pastor of a big church. You know, you never know what your small steps of obedience can do. But it comes out of a surrendered will to God. Remember what we said. Surrendering is, hey, abandoning yourself to someone else and someone else's will. You know, David said it when he got onto the, the scene where Goliath was. You know, he said, is there not a cause? That's my question for you today. Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause of Christ? Because his own brother, do you know what his own brother did? His big brother said to him, what are you doing here? Have you come to insult? Go back to the lions and the sheep and uh, just go back, man. You, you're just full of pride and insolence of heart. You know, he questioned his heart. He accused him. He tried to condemn him. That's what the devil many times does in our lives, you know, try to accuse us and condemn us. And so David looked around. He saw Goliath. He saw the whole nation in fear. And he said, is there not a cause? One man. <laughs> yeah. God needs one woman, one of us to say, is there not a cause? I know a lot of people, many more than one that want to stand up for the cause of Christ. But let's not be silent as the church in this time. So in Galatians 6 verse 3, it says, For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Deceives himself. It means that we need to be nothing before God. There's a beautiful quote here from Andrew Murray. He says, And the Christian life has suffered loss, where believers have not been distinctly guided to see that even in our relation as creatures, Nothing is more natural and beautiful and blessed than to be nothing that God may be all. You can say it in different languages, but nothing means nothing. In Chinese, you can say nothing. It doesn't matter. Nothing is nothing. To be nothing before God. So our righteousness is not in ourselves, not in our own works, not in striving, not in performance. You know, there's not going to be an orange flag when we stand in heaven before Jesus. There, only the righteousness of Jesus will qualify us. Yes, God places us in this beautiful church. You know, a beautiful family. But that family cannot save you. Yes, we serve in this beautiful place. Because that's where we learn true humility. That's where we learn to submit to one another in the fear of God. So, we need to be nothing before God. Then the next thing is, if we want to grow in this place of brokenness we need to be teachable we need to be humble you know jesus said it in matthew 11 verse 29 learn of me for i am meek and lowly of heart learn from me because i'm meek and lowly of heart you'll see a lot of scriptures in the notes on just paul's life you know where he said the following he says i am the least of the apostles in first corinthians 15 verse 9 and 10 he says i'm the least of all the saints in ephesians 3 verse 8 in 1 Timothy 1, he says, hey, I am 
the least of all the sinners. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that amazing? Paul, the great apostle, starts with saying, I'm the least of the apostles. When he ends his life, he says, I am the least of all the saints. Whoa. You know? So teachability means that I've, I've, I've got a position before God where I say I've never, never arrived. I'm never right. You know, the first million years in heaven, we're all going to say like, wow, wow. Praise God, there's no flies, there's no mosquitoes in heaven. You know, that's one of the questions I'm going to ask God. Lord, why did you make mosquitoes? But we're going to be so overwhelmed. We're going to be so amazed by what we see in heaven. Apparently, people that has gone to heaven, you know what they do? They say there's so many colors there that they've never seen on earth. I'm colorblind, so I'm looking forward to that, you know. My red is green and my blue is purple. But it doesn't matter because in heaven, I'll see perfectly. And so that is what we aspire to. That's what we say. I am growing here because if you're not in touch with your brokenness, if you're not living from that space of being completely dependent on God, what's going to start to happen is you are going to create an independency. And that's what the world and the culture forces on us. Hey, from a young time, don't share your heart, don't live in that space, just fight your own battles. There's a lot of us that are fighting. We're in the boxing ring, but we don't even know who we're fighting against. We think we're fighting against people. We think we're fighting for survival. But there's a spiritual enemy called the devil, and he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he's a thief. You know, a thief comes in the night. A robber walks up to you, points a gun at you, and says, give me your stuff. But a thief comes when you don't expect him. He comes through the back door. He climbs through the window. You know, he comes to take from you when you are asleep. And that's what the devil does. He's waiting for those areas where you're sleeping, where you're not disciplined, where you're not focused. And what then begins to happen is you realize like, whoa, my TV set is gone. Oh, my joy is gone. Oh, my hope is gone. Oh, my peace is gone. Hey, because I've stopped reading the word or maybe I've, I've sort of neglected my salvation. Or my faith has grown shipwrecked. You know, so listen to this and, and there's some slides you can go and look at. But, but I've been studying the life of Peter and, and it's so amazing. When you look at this loud mouth, how Jesus called him right at the beginning. You know, he called him in, in Luke chapter 5 verse 6 to 8. He says, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. He doesn't say make yourself and then come and follow me. He says, no, follow me and I will make you. I will take you on this process. And then he said, throw the net on the other side, you know, and he caught this massive heap of fish. And he says, hey, Lord, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. Then we see how this discipleship relationship with Peter grows. But eventually Peter denies Jesus three times. <laughs> you know, he had, at a stage just walk, Peter started walking on water. He, Matthew 16, he uses this amazing thing. He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You know, wow. But then comes the big denial. Yeah. Luke 22 verse 31 to 34. Three times. Peter says he doesn't know God. But but sometimes we miss it because in verse 31 it says, The Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Yo. Satan has come to knock at the door of Jesus and ask to sift Peter like wheat. What happens when you sift something like wheat? Ha! You put some pressure on it. You know? You put some pressure on it. You know, Gethsemane means the wine press, to press the grape so that the wine comes out. But there's pressure that comes to bring something out. Now, if there's pressure on your life, 
what comes out. If if they take the Christian, does Christ manifest? If they take the orange, you get orange juice. But if you take a lot of Christians today, you press them, whoo, bad stuff comes out. And we need to deal with that stuff. And we need to bring our brokenness to God so that when we are weak, He can be strong. Because hey, God wants to move. God wants to use us. But it's not in our striving. It's not in our performance. It's by His grace. Because His grace is sufficient for us. Luke chapter 22 verse 31. He says, But I've prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you, both to prison and to death. And then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny me three times that you know me. Oh, Peter, the, the devil came to knock on my door and he wanted to sift you like wheat. And I've prayed for you, don't worry. But I've prayed not for you that the sifting will go away. What I have prayed for you is that your faith will not fail. <laughs> that your faith will not grow shipwreck. And that's so important that we guard our faith. That we live by faith. You know, don't let the devil steal your faith. Because that's what he does. You know, sometimes he comes like that thief. He robs you and then you get discouraged. Then you sort of think like, ah, oh, you know, I'm, it's not working for me. I, I'm not ever going to step out again. Maybe you disciple somebody. Happened to me a couple of weeks ago, you know. You're discipling a person and then the person just turns their back on Jesus. And then you are, oh, going through a tough time. Why? Because you've put so much effort, so much prayer into that person. But God is faithful, is he not? He says, because I've prayed for your faith that your faith will not fail. And then he says, when you have returned to me, <laughs> you know, he says like, you, you are going to fail. Your faith won't fail, but you're going to walk away from me. You're going to deny me three times. Yo, that's hard, eh? God, Jesus is our intercessor. That's the amazing story. He's our mediator of the new covenant. He's making intercession for the church today. Let's stop there for a moment. Let's think, what would Jesus be praying for the church today? Maybe this is some homework. Go and ask him. Jesus, what are you praying for me? You know, they've made a study in the West and they've realized that most of the people in the West pray for happiness. Most of the Christians in the Middle East pray for persecution. Sure. Think about that. Lord, don't take away the persecution. Lord, purify your church. Lord, we want to have eyes just for you to surrender to you. Lord, in this weakness, in this brokenness, thank you for your joy. Thank you for allowing us the privilege to be called children of God. Thank you that we can know your word. Thank you for your salvation. You know, the prayers are so different. I've been to many Middle Eastern countries. I've been to many countries. Countries like India, Nepal, places like that, where the persecution is just increasing. Wow. But the faith is genuine. The, the faith has persevered. Why? Because Jesus is praying for that faith. He, don't try to psych yourself up in your own faith. No, the key to that faith is not to have faith in faith, but faith in who Christ says he is. I've prayed for your faith and it's, you're not going to fail. You know. And so that was the challenge with Peter. Later we see in John 21 where Peter goes back fishing. He just walks away completely. <laughs> he says, we're going to go back. And then Jesus comes to the shore again. And then he uses these profound words that we also find there in Luke. He says, once you have returned, go read it. 
once you have returned, strengthen your brothers. Because we can almost miss the opportunity. Just like he said in John 21, he said, feed my sheep, tend my lambs, <laughs> look after my people, love my people. When you've gone through that tough time, you've discovered my grace. You've, there's a testament in your life of breakthrough, of healing, of joy. Go and share it with others. Because A, that's what Peter did eventually. Peter saw God rose the dead. Peter was the first guy who went to minister to the Gentiles. Him and Philip. Yeah, Wasn't it amazing? The rest of the guys did not want to go. They thought the gospel isn't for the Gentiles. But because of this deep work that God did in Peter's life, Peter was open to go to Cornelius' house. Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 11. Go read it. And he preached the gospel there. Why? Because he had empathy. Why? Because he could understand what was happening in other people's lives. And so this is the challenge for us. Even if you're going through a tough time, don't lose your joy. Don't lose your faith because he's praying. Jesus is praying for you. But be broken. Be humble. Share with one or two of your friends what you're going through. Open up your weaknesses to others. We need the family of God. But more than that, step out in faith. Go and strengthen your brothers. Go and strengthen your sisters. Because a yielded brokenness is like that horse broken into the will of the master. Perfectly knowing that there's a greater cause why we're here. We are eternal beings. We're just passing through. Don't forget that. Maranatha, our Lord Jesus, come. I want to pray for us for that. I want to pray for you that you'll be strengthened in your inner man. I want to pray for you that you'll rise like that eagle. Because Isaiah 40 verse 31 says, Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. The Lord bless you. And I, I pray that in this time, the church will be the church. We won't just long for going back to church. We are the church. Go and share with your minister. Go and share with your neighbor. Go and share in your workplace. Be bold because so many people are looking for the cure of spiritual AIDS. <laughs> they can't. They have cancer. Fear is driving people crazy. But Jesus is the healer. He's the deliverer. And let's follow him fully as we, in our brokenness, yield to him. In our brokenness, surrender to him. I want to pray for you that God will strengthen you. Father, I want to thank you today that we can be together in this beautiful place. Lord, even nature shouts out, <laughs> Lord, you are glorious. The mountains leap like deer before you. The Yo, we're just so grateful for what you are doing in our lives. And we want to thank you today again for yielded vessels. <clears throat> Lord, I pray for those who have hardened their hearts that you bring us and give us soft hearts. Lord, those who need healing because of bad experiences in our past, heal us and deliver us, Lord. Lord, as we yield our brokenness to you, like Peter and like Paul, Lord, and so many people in the past, use us for your glory. Lord, establish eternity again in our hearts. And I pray, Father, for those whose faith has gone shipwrecked, those whose faith, Lord, feels like it's failing them. But thank you this morning. Thank you this evening. Thank you today. That today is the day of salvation. Today, Lord, your mercies are new every day. And I pray for that strengthening like that eagle that needs to fly high. Lord, I pray for those <clears throat> who have kept silent, who've lost their prophetic voice. Raise up your prophetic voice in our midst again. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Christian Church. We believe that you enjoyed your time with us, establishing God's kingdom and His glory in your life. For more info, call us on 012-362-1363. Email us, pretoria at shofaronline.org. Browse our website, www.shofaronline.org. Or like us on facebook.com forward slash shofarpretoria.org.